0: What is up everyone, it's Quinn here and in today's video I'm going to be going through my top 18 tight end rankings and then splitting these tight ends up into different tiers. If you guys enjoy the video, do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel and then let me know your thoughts down below. Who's too high? Who's too low? How are we feeling about the tiers? but let's just jump right into it. We're going to be starting off in tier one. This is going to be Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. Now, if we're being totally honest, like these two should have different tiers. I just didn't want to have a million tiers and have like, you know, tiers of one guy, one guy. Um, Travis Kelsey's the clear cut tight end one overall, 18 plus points per game in three of his last five seasons. The lowest scoring season he's had in the last five was 15.9 points per game. I really feel like the only concern for Travis Kelsey is that he will be turning 34 during the season. So maybe there's some risk of regression, but honestly, like Kelsey could regress and still end up, you know, being the clear cut tight end one this season. And then we have Mark Andrews, who is my clear cut tight end two. I think he has the second highest ceiling behind Travis Kelsey. He's a guy who has put together a high end tight end one season averaged 17.7 points per game in 2021 with the Ravens going more pass heavy. I think he has the ability to put together that type of season once again here in 2023. So someone who I'm very interested in at his current price. And I honestly don't think like the difference should be that huge between Kelsey and Andrews. Like we're seeing Kelsey go mid round one, Andrews go like mid round three, even maybe late round three. I'd be willing to take Mark Andrews at the 2-3 turn, so I do think he'll probably end up being a value this season. Now shifting into tier two, this is gonna be TJ Hawkinson and George Kittle. Starting off with Hawkinson, I actually think he has like a potential ceiling that's kind of flying under the radar here. In his time with the Vikings, he averaged 9.4 targets per game and 14.1 points per game. That was while really underperforming in the touchdown department. 9.4 targets per game is super impressive at the tight end position. And if that volume carries over to 2023, I think he has a really solid opportunity to average like 15 plus points per game on the season, maybe even higher than that. You know, if he hits in the touchdown department, the Vikings really haven't made many notable changes on offense. You pretty much swap Thielen for Jordan Addison at the wide receiver two, And then they got rid of Delvin Cook. Like none of that should really be taking away from what TJ Hawkinson's doing. So we'll see if he's able to maintain that volume. But if he is, I think he'll end up probably being a steal in fantasy. And then we've got George Kittle. And I think George Kittle has the talent to be a tier one option in there with Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. I'm just a little bit worried about his situation on this 49ers roster from 2018 to 2020. Kittle's point-per-game number has actually dropped every single season. So in 2018, he was at 16. Now he's worked his way down to 13.4. And I think the most concerning part of that is that he is coming off by far his best touchdown season. Kittle scored 11 touchdowns in 15 games last year and was only able to put up 13.4 points per game. A few years ago, if you're giving George Kittle 11 touchdowns on the season, he's gonna give you know 17, maybe even like 18 points per game. He also averaged under 50 receiving yards per game after Christian McCaffrey joined the team. So I think his talent keeps him in this tier, but I do think there are like some legit concerns we have to worry about here with George Kittle. Now, if there are some injuries offensively, you know, Debo goes down, Braden Ayuk goes down, then I think Kittle's kind of opened up to a much higher ceiling, which is obviously, you know, something that could happen this season, which is why I do have him here in tier two, but I actually do have Hawkinson pretty firmly ahead of George Kittle at this point in the off season. Now, shifting into tier three, this is going to be a three-man tier with Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, and Dallas Goddard. These are three very, very different fantasy options starting off with Darren Waller. I'm pretty much making the bet that Waller is not washed at this point. He's a guy who has flashed a high-end tight end one ceiling, averaged 17.4 points per game in 2020. Over the last two seasons, he has struggled to stay healthy. And then even when he has been healthy, the production has been a little bit underwhelming. But if Darren Waller is able to stay on the field, I really think he can be the Giants' top pass catcher. I don't really think any tight ends outside of Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews can offer that. Like maybe you can make the argument for Kyle Pitts, but I still think that would be pretty clearly Drake London. So I think Darren Waller can be the top weapon on this Giants offense. And if he is that top weapon, I think he can easily deliver you a high-end tight end one fantasy season. Then we have Kyle Pitts. And Kyle Pitts is pretty much like in the complete opposite situation. I'm trying to catch his ceiling like before his value just skyrockets moving forward. There's no doubt his fantasy production has been disappointing through his first two seasons. But I think we have to acknowledge like the terrible offensive situations he's been in. I'm fine if you're fading Kyle Pitts because you don't like the situation. You don't like the Falcons. But there seems to be some people out there who just think Pitts is just straight up not that good. That's just completely untrue. Like, I cannot disagree with that more. Even though the production didn't come through last season, he still commands targets at a crazy high level. He was the tight end one in target rate, tight end one in air yard share, tight end one in deep targets. He was also the tight end two in target share and a dot. Unfortunately, Marcus Mariota just could not support this dude at all. Like he was missing him all over the place, missing him deep, missing him just consistently his uh, target accuracy was super low so i think the quarterback play probably still isn't going to be great this season right like you're going from mariota to ritter but i think pitts just needs that quarterback play to just not be completely terrible like i think it can be bad and kyle pitts can still pay off for fantasy and if Desmond Ritter isn't the guy, I really don't think the Falcons are going to have a problem pivoting to Taylor Heineke. Like, this is a roster that, despite the quarterback position being bad, will probably still have a chance to compete for the division. Plus, like I don't think they're super committed to Ritter long-term. So if Ritter's not working out, I think they'll pivot to Heineke, who actually proved last year he definitely can support his fantasy weapons. So I'm willing to miss out on some of the lower ceiling options, the guys who are going to average. 11, 12 fantasy points per game, and I'll take a swing on Kyle Pitts, who I think can give you like 14 plus point per game upside, and you're just kind of hoping you catch him before he takes that big leap, because I'm very confident that within the next three seasons, Kyle Pitts is going to be drafted in that like maybe not as high as Travis Kelsey right now, but I think he'll be in like that Mark Andrews range, round two, three. I do think Kyle Pitts will be there for fantasy at some point in the next few seasons. And then wrapping up this tier with Dallas Goddard, I think some people are going to have Goddard higher. Some people may even have him leading this tier. He'll be a stable tight end one in your lineup. You're not going to have to worry about scouring waivers for like a streaming tight end. You're not going to have to worry about picking up a tight end and you're just praying that dude gets into the end zone. But he's also not going to be a guy who contributes to you like winning your league, having a crazy high ceiling in your lineup He's averaged between 9.6 and 11.8 points per game in the last four seasons. It's possible he sees like some sort of touchdown boom and ends in like the 13 point per game area. But that's really not something I'm betting on, especially when you have A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, who are firmly ahead of him in terms of volume. And then the Eagles in general are also just going to be a lower volume passing offense, lower volume, you know, touchdown offense. They're going to be rushing in a ton passing, you know, a decent amount, but not as much as some of these other top offenses in the NFL. So Goddard's going to be my tight end seven, but in general, he's just not really like the archetype of tight end I'm looking for. If I want a safer option, I think you can find one in this next tier, which is going to be tier four, another three-man tier. It's going to be David Njoku, Evan Ingram, and Pat Fryermuth. If you don't like the price of the top seven guys, or maybe, you know, you do like the price, it just doesn't pan out. You don't get one of those options. I think these next three guys are all very solid picks, can be solid starting tight ends for you throughout the NFL season. Njoku, starting off with him, he's shown you know some upside throughout his NFL career, specifically last season. He had a really nice stretch from week three to week seven, where he went for 58 or more receiving yards in all five games. Then unfortunately, he suffered a high ankle sprain But I also think it's very encouraging the way he was used towards the end of last year. Once Deshaun Watson was back, last three games of the season, he had a 93% route participation or higher. I think Njoku, if he can put it all together, if the Browns go more pass heavy, Watson bounces back. I do think Njoku's guy who could take a massive leap from his 2022 season. Then we've got Evan Ingram, who was the tight end seven in points per game last year, gonna be back with the Jaguars. I think Lawrence is gonna take a leap. I think their offense as a whole is going to take a leap. So I do think he has the opportunity to build on last season. And then finishing up this tier with Pat Friermuth, I feel like he's probably like the least flashy option, but I think he is a pretty high floor guy. And I do think he can deliver like a mid-tier tight end one season if the Steelers take an offensive leap. His rookie year, he was kind of, I think, 9.5 points per game, scored seven touchdowns. Last year fell to 9.3 points per game but he only scored two touchdowns. So, you know, outside of the touchdown department, he did make some improvements. Assuming the Steelers aren't like league worst in passing touchdowns again, I do think he can be a nice option at the tight end position. Now moving into tier five, this is going to be a tier with Dalton Kincaid, Tyler Higbee, Greg Dulcich, and Dalton Schultz. So this is kind of like the start of the tight ends where I don't really love any of these guys as my starter. Like if week one, I've got one of these guys in there, probably not feeling great. Um, but starting off with Kincaid, he's just a guy where I'm willing to throw a dart on him, kind of breaking out in year one on a top offense. Obviously, the track record of rookie tight ends is not great, um, but I think maybe you get him in the slot a little bit. Bills need some weapons. We'll see what happens here. You know, it's not like you're passing on other studs, you know, to take a risk on Dalton Kincaid. Then we've got Tyler Higbee, and Higbee was actually fourth in target share. And sixth in target rate last season at the tight end position, with Matthew Stafford coming back healthy, the wide receiver room still not great. I do think Higby could end up finishing as like a top 10 tight end this season, back end tight end one, somewhere in there. Then we've got Greg Dulcich, and I'm a big believer in Dulcich long term. Like I like the player, I think he's gonna be something solid moving forward. I just don't really know what to expect out of the Broncos this season. But looking back at Greg Dulcich's 2022 season, he was able to make a year one impact at the tight end position, which I just mentioned is pretty tough to do. He also did it on a terrible offense and after missing the first five weeks with injury. So there was not a lot going in the favor of um, Greg Dulcich. He still managed to be solid last season. I just think naturally as a player, he should take a jump heading into year two. Plus, I just think the Broncos offense has the potential to be much, much better. So, you know, don't know if it comes together in year two, but I'd rather you know just take a shot on a player I believe in. Hope for some uh, you know kind of upgrades offensively for the Broncos. And then wrapping up this tier with Dalton Schultz. He's a guy who's been a top ten tight end in points per game the last two seasons. He is going to a much worse offense, you know, going from the Cowboys to the Texans. But I do think he could command targets, given the fact that the Texans' uh, group of weapons is just very very unproven. A lot of question marks like in their wide receiver room. And then shifting into tier six, we've got Chigo Conquo, Cole Komet, Irv Smith, and Jawan Johnson. We saw Chigo Conquo show great efficiency in a very small sample size last season. He was second in target rate at the tight end position, first in yards per route run, um, and first in yards per reception. He was also second in yards per target, but he only had a 30% route participation. That's obviously kind of like the red flag here. It's like you can be efficient in a super small sample size, But I'm just not super convinced that that kind of holds with greater usage. Who knows? You know, maybe he gets a big uptick we'll kind of see. Not someone I'm overly confident in, but showed some flashes last year. Then we have Cole Komet, who looking back at last year, like as a whole, wasn't a crazy season, not a ton going on, but he did have some decent outings. He like put up 22 and 23.4 points in back-to-back weeks. I believe he scored two touchdowns in both of those games. Then to close the season, you know, 10.7, 15.7 points back-to-back. I think he could see an uptick in his volume. If Fields does hit as a passer, I do expect the Bears to go a little bit more pass heavy than they did last season. I will say I'm a little bit concerned about uh, Robert Tunyon kind of eating into his routes because Tunyon has been a solid you know, NFL tight end. It's not like Cole Komet has broken out as like one of the top tight ends in the NFL. And if Cole Komet is gonna succeed for fantasy, like, and it's gonna be a pretty run heavy offense, he just can't be splitting routes with another tight end. So that's the concern, but I do think there's some optimism for Cole Komet. Then we've got Irv Smith, not overly high on him as a player. I kind of feel like with Smith, you're just hoping he can find like a consistent role on the Bengals offense and have some like weekly touchdown upside just being attached to Joe Burrow. And then my tight end 18, my final tight end, it's going to be Jawan Johnson. He had a decent run from week seven through week 15 last year, averaged like 12.5 points per game over that stretch. I'm not sure if he's ever going to be more than like a guy where you're just kind of like banking on a touchdown, but you know, who knows we're getting into the mid tier tight end twos starts to get ugly at this point, but uh, that is going to be my top 18 tight ends. How are we feeling about those rankings? Who's too high? Who's too low? If you enjoyed it, do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. Stay tuned tomorrow. I'm going to be going through my top 48 overall players. So I think that should be a fun one. But thank you all again for stopping by, and I will see you in the next one.